Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today, I am joined by Ted Belton. Ted, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's just very exciting. I love when celebrities tag photographers. I've talked about this before on the show, but uh, it was really cool to see uh, Dan Levy gave you a shout out on his Instagram. He said the caption, I think, read that he lives for the drama and the pictures, the portraits that you took were absolutely beautiful. And as I mentioned before the show, I'm totally on um, a kick of starting off my portrait photography journey. And when I saw that picture, I was, and then I clicked on your Instagram feed. I can tell that your work is well-informed and you're working with all the right lenses and all the right influences. I'm like, I got to meet this guy. So I reached out to you and uh, here we are like less than 48 hours later, we're doing it. The internet is a wonderful place. Maybe for people that saw that shoot, I know a lot of people saw it. it was for Dior, correct? Yeah, yeah. So it was for Dior for, um, uh, you know, for the Critics' Choice Awards. He has this amazing uh, Dior look. So Dior asked us to do some pictures. Um, nice. In this, yeah. I guess it's the fall, winter 21, 22 collection. So it's nice. Very cool. Probably one of the first people to wear it. So it was like cool exclusive yeah. iconic i love it that's good so my last guest art schreiber who you probably know uh he had this great idea for a question and as uh, rather than being like so tell me about how you like you got started in, in in photography he recommended i do this question so here we go shout out art schreiber um what were the key moments the pivotal moments along your way that led you to become a portrait photographer mm -hmm. thank you art for making me sound smart right out of the gate here we go Ted, take it excellent, away. Excellent question. Yes. Shout um, out. Yeah, I think, well, it, it wasn't, it, I sort of hit a couple other things before I came to photography and portrait photography specifically. Um, I grew up thinking I was going to be an actor. And so, but I think that's important because it, I had an interest in like character and narrative and things like that. Right. Specifically that idea of like creating a character and how you, put a person together and then represent it, you know? So I think that was an important thing. And then I ended up going to film school because I had sort of developed an interest in photography in high school. So I went to film school for university, which was sort of acting and photography put together. Um, and then I learned a lot about uh, collaboration and the types of collaborations I like and don't like. And, uh, and that sort of pushed me more towards stills rather than film. So I think that was an important pivot. And then I started shooting a lot of fashion straight out of university. Um, and now, yeah, I sort of occupy, I'm sort of like occupy that space between, between fashion and portraiture now. Um, but I think really the most of the things that, that really Put, put me together where like the, the, the acting. And then I was also really into illustration and, uh, and their illustrations are amazing. I saw, I saw that. And, and it's funny cause oh, yeah. I, I'm actually really encouraged by your portfolio because people are always like, Oh, like pick a lane, do something. But then mm -hmm. I saw on your portfolio, it's like you're a portrait photographer, but you also have like illustration and, there, and there's these varying different styles. And I think that you do them all well. So it's kind of cool that you can be sort of Jack of all trades and I'm trying to show I me mean, that it's, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's interesting when I started getting illustration work, cause I didn't do any, um, I hadn't done any illustration work since I was like 1920. And then, um, I started posting it on Instagram cause it was always just something that I did, you know, 
on my off time. Right. And I started posting it on my Instagram and I started getting my photography clients, like editorial, editorial clients asking me to do, to do illustrations for magazines or whatever. And I always felt really bad about it because I know other illustrators who are like full-time illustrators and it's like, they're, that's what they do. Right. And I always felt bad taking those jobs. Um, but then I was like, I always wanted to do this. Like when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an illustrator and like, who, what, how crazy would I have to be to say, no, no, I'd rather not you take it and, and see what happens because that's what happens to everybody that we look at who like has these incredible careers and these, you know, great um, bodies of work and stuff. At a certain point, they just had to make a choice and go, whether, you know, decide whether they were going to do it or not do it. Like not everything comes to you packaged perfectly, neatly. Right. You know, sometimes you just have to like do random stuff and it turns out well and it becomes part of your work, you know? The illustration what? stuff has ended up, now that I've started doing it more and sharing it online and stuff, I've started to see how it relates to my photography. So I'm starting to look at it as like one body of work rather than um, two separate things, which is just like an interesting creative exercise yeah. in itself. Absolutely. So. I had a kind of a similar experience. I went to, uh, to school as originally I was going to go for marketing and then they were like, we've seen your math scores. You should definitely not be doing marketing. This is like all about numbers. <laughs> Have you tried graphic design? So then I tried graphic design. I got into like branding and logos and stuff. And then I was a terrible student and I thought I was going to graduate in like this one year. I think it was like 2000. In 16. And then it turned out I had like a whole nother like year of school, essentially. I was like, what? How did this happen? Because uh, I had transferred over. Some of the credits didn't count. So I had this like, I, I wouldn't say it was like a full year, but it was almost a year. It felt like a year. And I had to take all these film classes. I was like, I am not a film major. This does, why, I'm watching like, you know, I'm watching The Apartment, but this doesn't necessarily correlate to my my photography and graphic design skills. This kind of seems, but the program, it turned out, it actually all kind of came together because I developed a love for old movies and sort of like that, that noir type look. I love things in black and white. It's part of the reason why I love your work so much. Um, and it all kind of comes together. Like that I fell in love with like cinematography. And even though I wasn't in that per se, my understanding of composition got better. You know what yeah. I mean? And I, um, for the most part, I was dabbling in branding and graphic design, but then I would get fired from gigs because I couldn't illustrate. But then I all of a sudden had to like use like Photoshop brushes and stuff. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this. So it's been kind of all over the place. And at first that was kind of like disconcerting, but now I'm like, oh, I think this is the way that it's supposed to be. This is sort of the, the beauty of being in the creative field. And while it's kind of hard to pin one thing down, it's okay to just be in the moment and realize like, you know, like not for nothing, but I'm having fun right now. Like who gives a fuck, you know? Yeah. It kind yeah. of took a while to get to that place though. Cause, cause I was like, Oh, I need to find, you know, cause you get it in your mind. Like I need to be on one path. I need to be doing one yeah. thing, but not necessarily, you know? Yeah. I can totally relate to that. Even yeah. specific to in, you know, the field of portrait photography, there's so many ways you can go about it and so many types of clients you can have and so many ways you can look at people and, it, it weirdly takes a long or took a long time for me to allow myself to be to to think about you know I can do all of these things I can I don't just have to shoot in black and white for example which was like right. my thing yeah. uh, or I don't just have to shoot um people in, of a certain we know like it just takes a long time to open your brain up and learn how to look at everything um 
maybe as as yourself rather than trying to apply some sort of contrived aesthetic to everything or um but yeah just like that constant opening up of my brain has been like the thing that i work on the most or have been working on the most yeah getting out of your way career. kind of thing yeah 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 because we, we come into it or i came into it you know similar to you um sort of from film school and knowing that I like that very cinematic aesthetic and, and loving old films and black and white and all that. I could see the and, nostalgia. People who love nostalgia, yeah. there's like a kinship there. I could, I could see it. I'm like, this guy yeah. is, you know, this guy has been in the archives, so to speak, you know? For sure. Yeah. No, I definitely <laughs> have an interest in old stuff, which you yeah, can probably actually tell from my, ju the junk pile that's behind me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's where I drew a lot of inspiration originally pretty directly from movies and old magazines and old photography and stuff. And yeah, it, it, at a certain point, you just kind of go, I can't keep referencing the same things. I have to um, open my mind up and, you know, maybe contemporary things are um, really valid and interesting. And maybe, you know, popular things right now are just as valid and interesting as, you know, the established uh you know work from the from you know the 50s or 60s or whatever that we all praise so it's funny you say that because i've been looking at all this old work like i looked at um i and now help me out if i'm gonna pronounce these wrong but uh yosef karsh is it yeah yosef yeah. karsh i was looking at I and then book right here actually i do right in front of me see i'm telling you man i love it um I have all his books he's canadian you, Canadians have all the best artists. So Joseph Karsh, I've been looking at. Um, am I saying that correctly, by the way? Yeah, yeah, Joseph Karsh, yeah, yeah. Okay, beautiful. And uh, Felipe Halsman is he Canadian? Oh, he, Philippe Halsman. No, he's French, and I just packed his book. I have it somewhere over here. Dude, listen. If if you're doing a moving sale and you want to be like all minimalist and you want to get rid of some of this stuff, you you let <laughs> me know. Not a chance. Okay, not that's a good. chance. It's the only thing that I carry with me everywhere <laughs> is like my boxes and boxes and boxes of books. Last week when I spoke to Art, one of the things that really stuck out to me, he talked about he had like these binders full of references, and I was like, oh, like people that are great at photography, not only do they spend a lot of time taking pictures, but it's okay to spend time just like looking through old photos am i uh on pinterest i think i have like 1500 photos and i started that board like a month ago of portraits and uh, different compositions and and influences and for a long time i was like no i have to like make 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 i have to be constantly shooting mm -hmm. whereas now i'm a little bit more like no i want to kind of siphon from the greats and and see like study the masters before me and then kind of apply that to my own work. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of exciting about um, that nostalgic, you know, that old school um, way of photography where it's a little bit more, there's a little more craft behind it. I think nowadays it's just so easy just to get like a great camera, but looking at yeah. the composition and the lighting and just thinking about the fact they had to do that on film. Like if they could do that on film, then I could certainly do some, some things it's just kind of a matter of studying the greats and kind of infusing that in my own work without mm -hmm. being a carbon copy if that makes sense yeah i think that kind of study is i think it's important and it was a huge part of my development um i'm like an avid chronic collector of books and magazines um and that's i my approach has always been sort of the what you just described which is 
you know, 80% study and 20% making things. Um, That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it, I think the result of that has been, it's been a pretty slow crawl for me or it was for a long time because uh, my output was not huge and I've been very slow to sort of do, you know, make certain career moves or whatever. Um, but I'm getting more comfortable with like moving quickly and um, opening up and trying new things and not being quite so calculated in the projects I do or don't do and just sort of looking, allowing everything to be, to be interesting. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, what you said about film is interesting and the way, you know, things used to be done. I feel like they, they would think of us as like, if they can come back in a time machine, I feel like they'd be like, these, these kids are soft, you know? I, I don't know like... about that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, probably, I'm sure some people would be. And in fact, I mean, certainly there are photographers, there are photographers now who, who, are, who still shoot entirely on film, um, right. who really look down on anybody who shoots digitally. And <laughs> until the pandemic, I shot mm, 85% of everything on film. Really? Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Until, yeah, until last year, uh, because like the labs closed and I was, and you know, I was like, Oh my God, I'm what's going to happen with my income. Like I can't afford to shoot film anymore. So I took it as an opportunity to like really lean into digital and to try and figure out a way that I can do digital in a way that I like. Um, because the thing about film, I mean, people like, it seems like it's harder to shoot on film and it is practically harder to shoot on film. It, you know, it takes more time. You have to focus more. But those are good things like it demands your focus in a way that digital doesn't so and you but you need that focus to do good photos anyway so in a way it sort of cuts in a way it makes it easier because right. you know it just demands that of you and then also film decides a lot for you just visually you know if you choose a film stock and you're sort of stuck with that's how you know, that's how the grain is going to look. That's how the color is going to look, or that's how the contrast is going to look or whatever. Right. And you can't change it so much. So in a yeah, way, it's it not like camera nice... raw. You're not going to be able to get that information and move that information around. Yeah. I, I love mean, showing some... people that aren't photographers, showing them camera raw and like, and, and then like watch yeah. this, like watch how much, because like, if you, if you get like the right exposure digitally with like a raw file, it is extraordinary. The things that you could do. And I always kind of oh, feel yeah. like it feels like cheating in a way, you know? Yeah, film, I used to you know, think that. that. Yeah, I used to think that for sure, especially specifically about digital in general. Um, I always felt like, no, I really want to learn how to do this in camera, on film, whatever. But then, even in my film workflow, I started to realize that I really like um, seeing the mistakes or seeing seeing the limits of the medium. And so, we, when I would shoot film, this is like the worst thing to admit but I, I came to a point where i just i wouldn't even meter sometimes i would just shoot and then sometimes it would be like way overexposed or way underexposed but then pulling it back um in post-production you get really weird effects and really interesting things and to me that was somehow just a more comfortable way of working and obviously like for i wouldn't do that for everything because sometimes you need like a real exposure but for the work that i really like that i personally the pictures that i really react to of, of my own i it's the ones that are always a little bit wrong. And so in, in figuring out my digital workflow, I sort of do the same thing. And like you said, you can do so much with those files and they're, they come out so clean mm -hmm. that um, what I do now 
sometimes is I will underexpose by like 10 stops and then push it in. Cause I got a, um, um, a, a 5d Mark four a couple years ago. And previous to that, I had been using like an old, uh, Mark II, um, and actually I still, and actually the Dan Levy pictures I did on my Mark II because the, wow, the tether port wasn't working on my Mark IV, so <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's just like whatever. Like just that's like, like inspiring because I have like I, I could do that. <laughs> I yeah, like I could yeah, be a no, real boy now. Yeah, I I would have done it on my iPhone if if the Mark II hadn't worked, and I think honestly it would have turned out pretty much the same. Um, wow. Especially for web, like nobody's pixel peeping anyway. Um, right. But the uh, when I got the Mark IV, I was like, oh my God, this is cheating. Like you can point this <laughs> camera in any direction and just do the thing. And it just, you can get the picture back. So, but it it got me thinking and I was like, oh, maybe I can use that again. Then maybe there's um, the latitude in those files is like an interesting thing to play with. So yeah. it's probably not what most people um, use that camera for. Most people I think probably use their very nice cameras for getting very clean, nice exposures with proper color. And <laughs> whereas I'm like, Ooh, there's so much I can mess up. Yeah. That's cool though. It's, it's an interesting approach. And I think it's something that I need to kind of think about more is kind of like breaking those traditional rules. Um, since we're on the technical stuff and uh, by the way, I love getting nerdy about this photography stuff because I've, I've done a lot of podcasts where like advice for entry level creatives and people just coming in and that's great. But, um, photography is one of those things. that's kind of fun to like geek out about. So this is, I love where this is going. Let's get, let's get ner downright nerdy with it. Okay. So my 30th birthday is coming up. As mm -hmm. I mentioned before the show, I just got a Canon R6. Well, the church got a Canon R6, which I'm allowed to use. Um, and I'm excited about it. My love for photography is here and it's here to stay. But I've been watching, I don't know if you watch her YouTube channel, Julia Trotti. She's a photographer from Australia. She's amazing. I'll send you it. You'll be obsessed. It will be your new thing that you binge watch all the time. She's a portrait photographer from Australia. She does these amazing natural light backlit, um, beautiful bokeh, like the whole nine yards. Okay. So I started watching all these videos about different focal lengths and about different cameras and full frame and crop frame and all this different stuff. And I've been thinking for my birthday, I want to get like some good glass. I have like a, a 24 to 70 2.8. I have the 70 to 200 2.8, but I want to get some prime lenses. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what lenses are you using and not even so much about like the specs of it, but I'm talking more like focal length. Like yeah. a lot, I, I think I want to get like a 30, a lot of people like the 35, like the 51.2 is good for sort of like that instagram sort of look like that sort of model look mm -hmm. and the 85 gets that real like tight headshot you know like mm -hmm. magazine cover kind of thing but if you were in my position and you want to start in portrait photography and you want to have something that's like versatile do you use prime lenses and if so what what lens should i get basically out of all those <laughs> what lens should I, get? I you know i miss talking about this because it's been a long time since i like geeked out about gear um yeah. I used almost only a 50 mil for years. Like, like, a, like a 1.2, like a... No, I think it, I had a 1.4 and then it broke. So then I got a 1.8 and then it broke. And then I got another 1.8 and then it broke. How, and then I got, <laughs> how are you breaking just, all these? I my stuff like <laughs> carpet. <laughs> I'm just a bad person. And... Um, <laughs> Because as much as I love like cameras and stuff, I'm I'm not like um, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just irresponsible. But um, I'm the same way though. I always have my, my I don't have I don't put my lens caps back on when I change lenses. Yeah. I don't always turn it off. I, I lose I, them all the time, and then I and then the filter gets dirty, and then I start using the filter as a lens cap, and then I just take the filter off when I want. to I shoot feel like it's a little bit sus. It's a little bit sus though if your gear is a little bit too clean. Like I feel like if you're really like a working. I mean, some yeah. people are very like detail oriented, but I feel when I see someone and they have like all their lens caps and stuff and like the latest gear. Like you have too much time on your hands. It's a little bit sus to me. It seems like you're not really working. There should be at least like a scratch or something somewhere. Yeah. yeah. 50, I, I think everybody should get a 50. It's just like you can do everything. It can do wider stuff. You can move in for a closer portrait. I think 35s are great. They have a very classic um, look to them. And I'm a big fan of um, a kind of old school reportage photography and tour photography like music photography from the 70s and stuff and that was all like 35 um usually or, or even wider sometimes and i like a wider portrait where you see some of the environment but that you are limited to that like unless you want to get like right up very, in their grill yeah it's a very specific <laughs> thing to do like i mean this is quite a wide frame you know it's quite a specific thing to do a wide close-up and if right. that's what you're into that's cool but it limits you and it especially limits you um if you're trying to flatter someone not everybody looks good in a in a 35 close-up <laughs> um so that's why the 50 is good because it kind of works for every kind of face um mm -hmm. the 85 i would actually use more for like a full body shot rather than a close-up just because i actually do like that slightly wider close-up um, but for full body, you want to get the compression and it makes all of the, um, proportions look better. If you're a little bit more telephoto, like the, right. the 85 to 100 mil range, I usually would use for like, if I'm doing fashion and I need the full body, I would usually actually go a little longer. Yeah. Um, just cause there's less distortion on the body. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, it depends what kind of work you, what, you know, what kind of work someone wants to do. I, if I think a 35 is a good place to start because it gives you, it's pretty accurate to what our frame of view is, right? Like your yeah. eyes, it's kind of like a 35. So you can sort of frame things in a very natural way. And um, I think you could probably get some, uh, like with a prime lens too, like depending on the composition of it, I think it's good because it kind of has like, and this is probably why I'm gonna go with a 35. It seems like it's sort of like the natural field of view, but it's also capable like with the right glass of getting that kind of like bokeh to kind of focus it in almost. As, so it looks mm -hmm. sort of like natural, but not like distorted, but I don't yeah. know. I'll probably get the 50 eventually too. I had the 50, like the cheap, like nifty 50, like Canon one. Yeah, yeah. I and I, I, I sold it the week that I moved to my, uh, my condo because I was not gonna be able to make rent. So I sold all my cheap little like, and now I kind of miss it, but we'll mm. see. Yeah, I, mine is stuck on, I have a, an old Canon, um, I think it's called a 1N. It's like the, the SLR, film SLR from the 90s. So it looks like a 5D, but it's film. Right. And the, my 50 is stuck on it. And I, it's been stuck on it for like two <laughs> years. So I just, I haven't, I have uh, that's the only camera I, I use the 50 on now. Um, yeah. Just because I've been too lazy to go get it repaired. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm realizing a theme here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just like, I don't know. It's it's also kind of like, a, I kind of like that. I sort of, it's sort of like life telling me, it's like, oh, my 50 is stuck on this camera. Maybe this is just my 50 camera. Or maybe I like you know, the tether port doesn't work on this camera. Maybe I only shoot to card on this camera. It's like, yeah, 
pain in the ass for clients, I'm sure, but I sort of like to just go with the flow because I like limitations on my work. I like, I don't want people to tell me what to do, but I like the world giving me limitations. You know, if I show up to a location, for example, and it's really dark and something went wrong and I didn't get the rentals I needed or I couldn't bring my equipment or I'm traveling and I don't have lights or something and I show up somewhere and the light is horrible, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, how can I work with this? You know, maybe like there's light somewhere. Right. Um, and I actually, some of my favorite pictures are the ones taken in like the worst circumstances uh, because you have to be creative. And yeah. I think about that with my gear too. It's like, if something doesn't work or something, you know, goes wrong, just like, you know, go with the flow. You can't do that for jobs. Like clients really don't like that when that happens. But um, <laughs> for my personal work, I'd much prefer something go wrong because then you have to be creative. Yeah. Basically. I love it. Dude, this is so good. I, I, I really appreciate your honesty too. Cause I feel like people always kind of come so like buttoned up it's, it's good to hear. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't um, have any, yeah. There's nothing like fancy or, um, uh, but that's cool though. Cause you, what's, what's funny is that your work looks fancy. Your work looks yeah. like, like you kind of have sort of a, and I mean, this is a compliment, sort of like a bougie, like fashion yeah. sort of, you know, sure. it has a certain look to it, which is, and then talking to you, I see kind of like the, the artist side of you, which is really kind of interesting. Yeah. I think that the, I love that. Like we can, you know, we can get into that. Like I love yeah, that absolutely. like bougie fashion world. Like I'm a huge fan of, of that world. And I'm so grateful that I get to work in me too. That's, lane. that's why I have this background. This, this, this background is my, blue velvet. Yeah. yeah. Blue velvet. I mean, I don't know if you can see, but I've painted the room. It's like all glossy Navy blue. I did see that <laughs> immediately. It's like very, very ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I love, like, I love a little bit of, um, this is my attempt to cats. sort of be like, a. um, I, when I built out this studio, I had a projector on the wall and I was watching all these old movies, like all these like Cary Grant movies, mm. like, like charade with like Audrey Hepburn and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and like white Christmas and they had all, Love and they meet me, me too. My, my wife was like, my wife was like, yeah, like it's pretty good. Like, like the ending was good. And I was like, how dare you? I want to live yeah. in this world. I want to roast a hot dog at that little <laughs> fireplace no, but I really do love those movies, and this this is like my attempt to sort of bring back some of yeah. like the the a romance. A little bit of elegance, a little mid century elegance. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, like, I, like I want to have like an orange couch. I want to have sort yeah. of like the the Don Draper look. I think a lot of that mid century <laughs> elegance still exists, and I that's a huge part of the draw of working in fashion for me is that a lot of people still have that yearning, that attitude, and that sense of um, luxury and finery and yeah um it's you know there it's not always a question of money like sometimes it's just a question of taste and in fashion you find a lot of people who have respect for you know taste yeah and it's fun and those are fun people to photograph and to work with too i think something that would be kind of fun to talk about is you know we're talking about gear and all this different stuff and that's important to an extent as, as you, as you mentioned, you can kind of just, you know, it's more about dealing with the elements, but, um, I think that posing people for portraits is something that is oftentimes overlooked. I think, you know, cause it doesn't, I think part of it is there's sort of like this, like clickbaity, you know, like which, which camera should you buy? That looks really great in a YouTube thumbnail, but people mm -hmm. are, feel are, are less inclined for things like how to pose somebody or like, yeah. you know, working with 
sort of like the interpersonal side of photography. So can you maybe talk about that? Like how do you put somebody at ease who is maybe not necessarily used to have it? They're not, they're not somebody who like moves around yeah. like yeah. this. I didn't know that they did that by the way. I recently fact, learned. I hate it when people do that. I, I, le <laughs> I learned that models, they go like this the entire time and it freaks me the fuck out. It's like super weird. Yeah. That's a, there are two different ways of shooting. Sometimes I really appreciate <laughs> when people come to set and they know how to pose and they know their angles because sometimes you only have 30 seconds to do a picture, you know? Right. Um, so that comes in handy on those days. But for pretty much every other situation, I much prefer when the, the pose, if you want to call it that, is less contrived and it's more, you know, people just, it's like you said, just making people comfortable is the yeah. important part of it. And and then it's my job to understand, I mean, basically there's no other way to say this. I mean, you wanna flatter people, you wanna make people look good, you know? Like right. you know that everybody wants to look, you know, thinner or taller or whatever. I mean, it's not so much the case now. I think that's changing and people are becoming much more accepting of themselves and other people so yeah. in that way it's made my job a lot easier actually because not everybody does expect to come out of a photo shoot looking you know 511 and you know right you know zero like it's it's been an interesting few years in that way yeah, um absolutely because it's it's made my job easier because you can just take a, a genuine picture of somebody rather than um a flattering picture if you want to call it that right so that's changed a bit but yeah the, i've always paid pretty close attention to pose um, because I always wanted to be the person who could take a very flattering picture of anyone. Um, and I've always worked with a very broad range of, of people. Um, and I've worked with a lot of older people and, um, I've always wanted to be able to make people feel good, um, with the way that they're being represented. And, but that, that doesn't come from me, you know, looking at them and saying, you know, oh, put your hand here and do this. It's more about talking to them and understanding who they think they are and who how they want to be represented and then just sort of naturally letting that uh side of them come out and encouraging that side of them to come out and then right. and then once everybody's comfortable and we feel like we're having a real conversation or a real you know moment uh then it's my job to look at it objectively and graphically and go okay compositionally speaking you know, your leg is, your leg should be here. Your hand should be here. Your head should be this way. It's slightly better. You know, like, I mean, I wonder if, you know, like there's just, it's really just a graphic thing. Yeah. Kind of going, Oh, it actually just looks nicer if you're in profile and you're on here. Cause it fills the frame. And then, and then maybe, you know, like but this getting is them more, comfortable first like, kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So you, you get the, you get, you get the mood first and then you just look at it compositionally because bodies, it just becomes part of the composition. Right. And, and you want to create interesting lines and you know sometimes that's what the picture is about sometimes the best picture you can get is just one that's compositionally interesting um but the better picture the picture the pictures actually that people appreciate more i think are the ones that are you know it's a genuine expression it feels like a real moment it feels like um like an honest expression um and sometimes you get both of those things in the same picture and that's like the exception and that's like the best thing especially if you're shooting fashion you know you really want like a beautiful image um right. 
but then to make it something more than just a fashion picture you hope that there's something like interesting or honest about um how the person is presenting themselves sometimes if i'm shooting fashion that has a lot of movement in it like a full body thing i'll put the camera on a tripod and just set the autofocus thing to like a very wide net and literally just like hold the button down as, as I direct them or put it on like a trigger and like I'll do the poses with the model and they'll you know we'll do it together and while while I'm firing the camera that's um, so cool I never even thought about doing that yeah but I'm like a mover like I like to it's hard <laughs> for me to it's, it depends on the shoot but for that kind of fashion thing I like to it helps to get people fired up to go like let's do it together you know like that's and yeah. sometimes a lot of the times now i mean there are very few models now who last more than a couple of years so there are not a lot of models who actually know what they're doing in that way like i've been shooting for you know like 10 15 years so like i know how to pose better than most models do because i've <laughs> done it in a zillion shoots or you know whereas a lot of models they've only been doing it for six months or a year or two years and they still don't really know what they're doing so you have to like do it with them that's so um, cool i love that yeah so that's how it takes a real that. man to do that by the way he takes it to, to get out there with, alongside <laughs> yeah the no i'm like i have no shame no do they, like, do they ever look at you like who the, fuck, who the fuck is this guy i'm sure they do but you know, at the end of the day the pictures turn out well so i think that yeah as long like as the picture time. comes out well yeah um but the so that's for that type of thing that's what i would do and then for portraiture i i usually shoot on like an rz67 which is you know a six by seven film camera and i'm looking down uh into the viewfinder um and then for, so for that i would be looking down and then occasionally looking up and telling them what to do and establishing eye contact and trying to have a more normal social interaction with them while we're shooting right but it doesn't work with everybody some people don't the, i think the goal is to get to a place where they're comfortable with you like looking directly at them and talking to them and having a real conversation with them because a lot of people come into a photo shoot not thinking that they're going to have to engage in that way they think right. it is all just about the way they look and it's like actually no you actually have to connect with me and you actually have to maybe tell me something about your life and it can't just be about the facade you know you have right. to open up a little bit and that's why i'm so like open and um goofy and unfiltered and because we don't have time for like facades right you know you have to get to the core of it quickly especially now when like for the for the Dan pictures, um, I think we only shot for twenty minutes, and it's like five years ago, or in or in another circumstance, I would have insisted on shooting all day, you know, right. like six hours to get, you know, three or four pictures or five pictures. And now, I don't. I guess the industry has just changed, but pretty. I mean, really, for the past two years. A lot of the shoots that I've been doing because of social media, the volume of photos you have to do is so much higher and people's just idea of what it means to do a photo shoot is totally different. Right. Most of the shoots I do now, we're done in half an hour. Yeah. And it like I did a shoot a couple of years ago, um, which I thought was a big deal. And I was kind of like, I was like, why is nobody, why is nothing planned? Like it was the morning of the shoot and I hadn't even been confirmed yet. And I got a call at, you know, 7.30 in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning being like, okay, the shoot's happening at 11 o'clock. Here's the location. Go. You know, you're doing one page for this magazine. And I showed up at the location and it was like a very fancy situation. Um, and there was nobody there yet. And so I walked in. I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what we're shooting. I don't know how many shots we're doing. And then 
the team from the magazine showed up and they're like, okay, we're actually doing uh, six pages, not one. And um, we are only allowed in the location for two hours and hair and makeup is going to take an hour and a half. And you're only allowed in the area that we're shooting for five minutes at a time. And we're doing six pages. So that oh means God. I have to do one shot a minute, basically. It basically left us with five minutes to do <laughs> six pages. And that was the first time I was like, is this how people do things now? Like, is this normal? That's when you put um, on continuous shooting and you just spray and pray the whole time, you know? Yeah. And, you know, people look down on that when you're starting out. There's a lot of, like, criticism for that kind of working. But, like, if you're criticizing shooting quickly and relying on auto exposure or whatever, you're probably not actually working in right. the field because like time is way more important than the integrity of uh whether or not you shot everything on manual like it's good to do I that i think it's obviously. a law of averages you know what i mean like you have to like I, I just did a shoot with my wife actually we were testing out the new camera and i took so many pictures and i'm like oh my god i took so many pictures but there are so many options it's like it, at a certain point it, it is like if you take sort of like the pretentious art school shit out of it Portrait photography, in a way, I, I'm not saying that you should, should just kind of like blindly shoot, but like if something's going well, like hold, like the technology allows for you to hold the trigger down and to like get those shots. Like, wouldn't yeah. you want to have the options? It's not like you're doing like push ups or something. You're literally holding your finger down. I don't yeah. understand. I, I, it's like some weird, I have a theory. I think it's sort of like a carryover from like, like, and I'm not taking any way, anything away from film. I want to do film, but I think that there's a certain school of like, like like the old school and the new school. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's like the new technology kind of freaks them out. And I think that they're like, no, you can't do it that way. But I think it's cause like they don't, that they didn't come up on that. But I feel like oh, it's you, definitely, if you have a multi thousand dollar camera, like use that shit, use that's it. what it's for, yeah. yeah. There's definitely a credit a, card debt, use it. <laughs> <laughs> there is, I understand why people have sort of nostalgia for the old way of doing things. And especially if you think about like Avedon, shooting on eight by 10 shooting the type of fashion work that I just described, you know, you know, shooting on continuous and letting the model fly across the frame, like, and getting, you know, 25 exposures. He used to do that in one exposure on eight by 10, which is really hard. And, you know, there's definitely something to be said for the fact that he was better at it than anybody else. And like, because he worked at it and he knew what he was doing and it is hard and we should respect him and anybody else who, can do that with with the, those con the confines of that technology, um, but um, the I think I think that any photographer who was working in the fifties or sixties who we hold up as being this you know icon or whatever, they would all be using digital today, and they would all be taking advantage, especially somebody like. Um, like Irving Penn, for example, who was uh, a great darkroom printer and was really into the techno the technology of darkroom and experimenting with different processes. I mean, if he had lived a little bit longer, if he had been born later, I think it's very likely that he would have experimented with digital manipulation and with all digital printing and and with um, digital cameras because you know it's pushing the boundary in the same way that darkroom printing was experimental and pushing the boundaries in the '60s. You know, it's yeah. just it's more about mentality than about there's nothing intrinsically better about, um, I can't believe I'm saying this because I have been such a film snob for like <laughs> most of my career, but. Um, you're getting woke now, you're seeing the light. You're yeah. coming over coming over to the dark side, baby. Yeah. Come There's on something to the, you said earlier. I'll, I'll send you my Lightroom presets. We could get to right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I even have, uh, 
I have the Lightroom app on my phone and I take phone pictures all the time and just run them through like the presets that I built on my phone. And I get messages sometimes on Instagram. Like if I just post something on my Instagram story, then I call what film stock was this? And I'm like, no, that's like taken on my phone on with a Lightroom filter on it. And it's like, if you can't tell the difference, right. Who cares? You know, like it just, it looks good. That's kind of the point. You know? And I think it's gotten better too. I remember when I was in school and people were, were using presets and stuff like that. It always had this sort of like orangey kind of like weird, yeah. like sort of almost filmy. like, a, yeah, yeah. Like a little bit too filmy. Whereas I think that there are, and, and not all Lightroom presets are created equal, yeah. but there are some people, Julia Trotty, who I mentioned before, um, I'll, I'll put the link in below. Uh, and I hopefully one day she comes on the podcast, but her, it's sort of like an art, like getting the right preset to sort of have, or I'm using the term preset, but you know, knowing how to kind of post-production. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that post-production, like that knack for getting that look, some people can do it and it kind of takes like the trained eye to get it to look a certain way. And sometimes it's like worth like paying for that, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, but yeah, sometimes you can't tell. Yeah. I think I would test people, you know, cause I got some shit coming out. That's not on film. That looks very like if you hold it up next to like classic film pictures, it's almost indecipherable at this point. Yeah. I mean, the difference is the the difference for me between film and digital has more to do with the way that you work, not with how it looks. Yeah. You know, like the other great thing about film is that nobody can see what you're doing. So it's really great for portraits because then the person you're shooting can't be so insecure because there isn't a monitor right here. Where they go, oh, I don't like my hair like that. Or, oh, no, I can't. They have to trust me. Yeah. And the fact is, I usually do know better than them about how to make them look good. Yeah. Um, and so film helps in that way because it's it, they forget about, you know, how they look. Because they're not constantly being. You know, I try not to them. show them unless it's like an absolute like banger of a picture. But like I yeah. try not to show them because it, yeah. it kind of messes with the. Yeah. The feng shui of the whole situation that's the other side of it though sometimes you want to show them you know like sometimes it helps which is which is the great thing about digital like you yeah you know and actually something you said earlier more, was, more of more of this i'll do sometimes like whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever this thing was do that face again <laughs> yeah 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 exactly because you were blinking and i need to get this because everything else is not working yeah and <laughs> even going back to what we were talking about with um you know the way people used to do things and this weird respect that people have for for film and the negative view people have of, as you said, spraying and praying and shooting too much. <laughs> I don't think a lot of um, photographers who are starting out necessarily uh, know how much film used to be shot on a normal shoot. Like, you know, Abaddon wasn't shooting one roll and getting it in one roll. He was shooting hundreds of rolls of films a day. Really? And it, you know, it's like, and, and it, I won't even use his, his as an example, but there are many photographers who can't remember who it was, but I remember uh, I was reading about some campaign that was shot in the nineties and they were shooting on medium format film. And I'm almost certain, even though it was a week long campaign and they shot thousands of rolls of film, uh, you know, rapid fire, the way some that poor we would, intern they, was just there for hours. Right, and yeah, hours yeah, exactly. Hours. I think they actually, they built a lab on set so they could develop as they were shooting. But um, the, you know, they would be shooting in the way that we would shoot digital now. 
and they would be shooting Polaroids. So they would have, they would have, they would be able to show the model what they were doing, go more of this, less of this, whatever. So really the digital workflow is just a slightly better version of what, what people were doing with film at the highest levels anyway. Yeah. So that snobbery around, you know, get it in one shot, whatever. And I mean, I mean, everything kind of comes back to Abaddon for me. Like he's, he, you know, he kind of did everything. Can you make um, me a list of people, by the way? Like, oh yeah, oh my god, yeah. I'll send you a, a pictures of my bookshelf. And you just look them all up. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, like Avedon did a huge amount of post production, as did Penn, and the snobbery that surrounds like Photoshop is, I mean, it's, I, I think it's like childish because. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I have it at hand here, but um, you know, there's some great um, Avedon darkroom. I don't know what the proper term is. Um, you know his his notes, his retouching notes in in the sixties. And you can that sounds that's in a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's that in, sounds uh, so cool. I think I just packed it, but it's uh, you know it's 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 around online actually. You can find it. It's a picture of someone's face. I can't remember who. I'm kind of broke, all, so I do all the stuff on Pinterest. So I get like the. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Okay. The and it's it's all of the you know circles around different regions of the face where you know you increase the exposure here by two stops here by one stop here by half a stop here by a quarter stop whatever and uh, if you think about it, it's exactly what we do in Photoshop and yeah you know that's how the greatest portraits of the 20th century were made that radial light tool and you kind of just like put it over the side of their face I I love kind of getting things like a little bit underexposed and then doing like that little spotlight feature like mm. uh, in Lightroom oh yeah. We, we could trade trade secrets after this <laughs> i do i mean i don't i i do a huge amount of post I, yeah. sometimes clients come to me i mean not all the time i think it's pretty apparent that i do a lot of posts but sometimes i get clients coming to me going oh i love those just like clean portraits that you do which is very simple very real and you know, i spent 10 hours on that picture like i spent 10 <laughs> hours retouching that like, and it's just because retouching is not just making skin smooth it's right. also adjusting the values of the image and dodging and burning. And, you know, I basically repaint over the pictures that I do, you know, like they look nothing like they did when they came out of camera. That's awesome. And, uh, but That's the goal good to of know. course is, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it makes you feel better about my, uh, my fuckery behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think people should fuck with things more. Like you, especially with digital, like you have to mess up the files because otherwise they look like what everybody else did. And, Part of the interesting, part of the um, the mythology of film and the photographers who we idolize is that we look at the photos and we don't necessarily understand how they made them. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. even like even if we think we understand it, you know, you you try and uh, like try and replicate, you know, this photo. You're gonna get close because you're gonna go oh yeah it's just like two side lights and then like a, a hot i mean cars use hot lights which i know so you put like a fresnel here and like two here on a black backdrop and it must be that easy i love it's this like, stuff well, <laughs> it's like it's obviously not that easy because if it was that easy like you would have taken that photo and i love that so picture of kennedy that he has from the side from the side profile of kennedy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Definitely. many people photograph that guy but nobody got that shot that's what that's what I love about about that work is that it's it's like and that's how you can tell like they have a unique style like somebody who has just been photographed to death and then like you get this new completely yeah. different vision of that person it's yeah. just like remarkable and I think that's what's really great about photography so that would be that's definitely something I think about I mean you don't always have the opportunity to take a new picture of someone especially like if it's somebody who's been photographed a lot it's really hard to get 
a new picture of them. Yeah. But as a photographer, you want to do that. You want to put your own, maybe not your own stamp on it, but you want to do something that's different and something that's exceptional and some a photo that's going to stand out amongst the rest of them. And uh, I like the idea of taking, it's sort of like a, a something I keep in the back of my head is, you know, if I have the opportunity to photograph somebody, I want to take the picture of them that is going to last the, their entire life. The picture that people are constantly going to be referencing, the picture that looks the most like them, you know? Yeah. And that's what Karsh did so well. And it's so funny that you brought Karsh up because not a lot of people actually reference him or know about him. Um, even within the industry where everybody in fashion- I went, I went so deep on Pinterest pinning things because after that talk with Art Schreiber, I he said like you put like your work on one wall and then the other work on the other one. And then I felt like I had like permission to do like a deep dive and just spend a lot of time. And uh, yeah, I, I went, this girl actually blocked. I, I didn't even know it was possible to be blocked on Pinterest. I saved so many of her pins that she blocked me. I was um, like- I thought you were a bot. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, no, I'm just like some very. <laughs> That's funny. I know she probably did think that I was a bot because I literally <laughs> saved like 300 pins. I always wonder about that stuff. Sometimes I'm like, hmm, I wonder what people think when they see, like, you know, Rob Johnson has saved 375 of your. Yeah, what's he using them for? <laughs> but but so much of it is just like for me. I I love even if it's uh, it's it's funny because I used to kind of curate my, and I'm I'm referring to Pinterest, but you know in general mm -hmm. i used to try, try and curate things for sort of like the look and i was like a tastemaker or whatever but now sometimes it's just like the it could be like a grainy crappy picture from the 90s but i love the composition so i feel like yeah. when people would see the stuff that i save they'd be like what the fuck why did he save that for but what they don't know is i like the way that like the elbow is like you know like yeah so it's it's weird but then i end up getting blocked by people for <laughs> yeah no that's that's you're pinning on something much. important there i think you have to i think i've lost some friends by the way from pinning too many of, of their pins pinterest is like such a uh it's a hole like it's a it's a dark hole that you get sucked into because people uh, say yeah. they're like oh like pinterest isn't like that guy yeah that's because your pins suck there's a certain it's weird there's like a you have to get the algorithm to work for yeah, you, yeah, right? yeah you really you gotta work the algorithm to get it Pinterest is kind of similar to Instagram and in that like there's a lot of people that like kind of razz on it and like oh like the algorithm like it doesn't you know doesn't do it for me or, or I don't get the right thing but Pinterest if you know how to like manipulate it and get it to go a certain way because it's kind of like referencing the entire internet so if you just get like if there is 1200 photography pictures to re reference from it's, they're going to be like oh okay this guy is clearly in the weeds here then you get to like the Pinterest 2.0, if you will, you know, Interesting. the, yeah, the dark, very... the dark web of Pinterest. I don't use Pinterest that much. I use it. Honestly, the only thing I use Pinterest for is for like, like as I'm moving into an apartment and I'm looking for like paint colors for the walls and there's yes. a great resource of like paint colors. I'm like, what does it look like in this room? I have that's, a board that's for you. the only thing on my Pinterest. I have a board for you. It's called Pantone and I saved every yeah. single Pantone ever made. Pinterest actually, I was kind of into it but like not really it was sort of like my safe place when the shit was really hitting the fan with covid yeah it was sort of like my coping mechanism i was doing a lot of therapy and like a lot of like aa and shit and i would <laughs> just come home and just like mindlessly pin things for hours just hoping that my life would get better and now it's pretty significant thank you so much for doing this it's been really fun i think we just became best friends we're gonna i think we could talk for hours and hours and hours 
Yeah, um, I'm a talker. I am. I am planning on eventually once COVID is all over going to Canada. I definitely want to start out in Toronto. I've made made yep. a couple friends in that neck of the Good woods. Place. I'm in New York all the time normally. Like yeah. when. Well, for now you'll come to me, but then eventually I'll go to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day yeah. goals, post COVID goals. Uh, where yeah. can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? Um, I'm pretty much just on Instagram. I don't have any other social media, so it's at Ted Belton, just my name, and then TedBelton.com. You locked down the website. That's pretty good. Years ago, and nobody ever goes to it. Nobody goes to websites anymore. <laughs> um, all my jobs come through Instagram. That's so funny. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's that's me. Thank you cool. so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a good conversation. I need you to uh, to send me a list of all the people to check out. Send me like the deep cuts of stuff. And then eventually I'll get my money right. And then I'll get to some, some dope ass books and shit. Well, it's all available online. Like you can, yeah. you know, it's all, it's all. The are, same. are they expensive or are they like, or, or some of them are like really expensive. Some of them are cheap. Has a, most of them are expensive. In the fashion I'm like world, a deal right? hunter. Like I have, like, I spend a lot of time on in, in old bookstores, in thrift shops, in online, looking for that like. so fun. It is it's like my hobby, like looking for what I know to be really good or valuable books. And like, I try and find them for, you know, $2, $3. And then, you know, sometimes I just like cough up the cash and right. pay. Like I just ordered, I mean, not that this was super expensive, but I do like, there's a photographer named Jack Davison. I don't know if you know him. He's pretty hot right now. Right. And he just did this, like this limited edition book that I haven't even opened yet. And it's, uh, it's like pictures of the last two of a certain breed of elephant. It's just like, I don't know. I literally, I've never opened this before. I just got it in the mail and it's like the most beautiful. Oh my God. Photos. Anyway, I'll send you the link. But uh, anytime I see anything where I'm just like, Oh, that looks like a beautiful book. That's like, that's yeah. something I'm going to regret not owning. Yeah. Right? Well, if also I have the money. I'll buy it. It would be good also for a, a list of people that are like also like on Instagram and currently working and they'll, and I'll try and, I'll try and uh, interview them. Yeah, I can put together, I can do like a thing of, you know, a reading list or whatever. I love it. I'm yeah, here for sure. It. All right, brother. Cool. This has been so much fun. Thank you again. You've been so gracious with your time. All right, well, tell Are Dan you? I said hello. And I love him. <laughs> okay, I'll talk to you soon. See you. Bye, bye. bye.